Welcome to the podcast version of Taproot TV, where weekly we share with you information for root cause analysis to analyze and fix the real root causes of problems at your company. Working together, we are all changing the way the world solves problems. So let's get straight to this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to Taproot TV today. I'm here with a special guest. I have Jim Whiting and he is in Australia. So as his day is just beginning, ours is coming to a close. I'm so excited to have him here with us. He's going to talk about his pre-summit course that he has at our 2022 Global Taproot Summit. So thank you, Jim, for joining us and I'll let you take the floor. Hello, how are you, Emily? Doing I'm well. Very pleased to be, very pleased to be able to uh, talk about the pre-summit course that I've given over many years. Yep, I hear you want to uh, show your screen and, and tell us a little bit about that. But before we get there, do you mind to share a little bit about your background, um, kind of how you align with Taproot and what your experience is? Yeah, so I've uh, been in occupational health and safety and other aspects, other aspects of risk management for many years. And uh, before that, I was a what I like to call a pracademic rather than an academic okay. uh, at a university here in, in clinical health and safety. And uh, then after many years of doing research and training, I uh, decided to take over the national, get position of take, taking over the National Safety Council of Australia. And uh, then so I shifted from clinical to occupational. And uh, then uh, I went out on my own in 98 and, uh, and one of the first things I did was start using Taproot as, as my core tool and method for incident investigations as part of my consultancy and training. And uh, I've really enjoyed applying my risk management and incident investigation tools and techniques and methods over uh, many industries, um, nearly all industries, and uh, in many countries, uh, right throughout, even in uh, the US, I've uh, been, uh, oh, something came up, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, the application has, is, uh, as we'll explain later, is across all, uh, business decision-making instances, whether it's quality, whether it's safety, whether it's environment. And uh, I've usually not uh, get involved in financial risk management because I think there's a, a few traps there and uh, a few legalities. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I'm really uh, would like to share then with people in my courses, the knowledge and experience I've acquired over many years. Excellent. So as a, as a special treat, you're coming over here to the United States to Knoxville, Tennessee, for our summit that we have coming up in May. And the pre-summit course that you're teaching is going to be May 2nd and 3rd. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, I have uh, think I might just uh, use a couple of reference slides to help the uh, viewers look at and see what's involved. So I'll share the screen. Good, can you see that, Emily? I can, thank you. 
So one of the major themes in my course is that uh, risk management is the envelope of the risk management system ties all our systems together, whether it's safety, health, quality, and, and as you can see there. So I, I always promote and explain and show to people how the methods that we use, the principles and the processes are applicable across all the domains, the risk domains, as I call them. I've left out one, maybe IT, I've left out probably security. And I think I've got reputation there, yeah. And the, at the top of the screen, you can see that the most important reference is uh, NZZ 690.2, which is identical to, <clears throat> to ISO and Australian Standard 31,000 in the risk management uh, principles. And uh, that is an ongoing theme throughout the whole course. Uh, it's all based on uh, international standard that is also the US standard. Um, well, what's in the course? Uh, the detailed program is, is on the website, which I've listed there, and I guess you'll be uh, reminding people how to look at it, but I'm not going to go through every bit. I'll just take I'll just take out the highlights. So uh, the course level, there's no prerequisites. Uh, it's for beginners to advanced standards. Now, who should attend? I'd like to uh, draw the attention to anyone who's got those responsibilities as a leader, as an advisor, as a consultant, as a trainer, as an auditor, as a reviewer, anyone who's got involved in improvement, continuous improvement in, as I say, in any of the aspects of, in all industries and business operations. Now, what would you get out of attending? Uh, I'll elaborate a little bit on each of these, but we'll take them one at a time. One thing you'll get out of this course is you'll be end up being confident that you can do risk management in a consistent, accurate, and with maximum objectivity. You risk at the moment. I know many people that I've helped uh, aren't confident that their risk assessments are doing what they're supposed to do. So um, I'd explain and uh, give you practice in how to use the most reliable and consistent methods. I spend about 75% on how, as you'd imagine, that first of all, it's a very practical course, so you want to know how to do things. But I also spend a bit of time, a fair bit of time on the why, and I'm a great believer that you don't really understand the how unless you see why you're doing it. So more importantly, there's, you need to understand that all risk assessments are about decision-making, and as we call them, then risk-informed decision-making. A bit more about that. Naturally, then you will walk away with practical skills and knowledge and, and of the proven methods and tools that I'll use in the course. More importantly, you'll also have useful templates to develop your own tools and methods. And, in, uh, and I'll also elaborate on the strengths and limitations of the matrix methods for risk assessments. People have arguments about whether the matrix methods are good or bad. I like to talk about their strengths and limitations and show you some of the alternatives. 
and whatever you do, you're going to walk away with the strengths and pitfalls of implementing a risk and opportunity management system. So, I, as I said, I'm a great believer in using standards, and those top three are the most important ones. In actual fact, the third line is the same as the top two lines. Uh, ANSI has now adopted the 31,000 and 31,010. But they will just sort of show you also that there's prevention through design is relevant and the methods it uses it. You, uh, the courses, tools can be applied in achieving conformity with these standards. And I thought I'd just list a few others, not going to go through every one of them. And you can look at them in leisure. I do highlight here the new uh, occupational and safety standard uh, and the American Z10 standard are also the risk management aspects because those are covered in the course. So uh, the process, the course is, is built around the process of ISO 31000 and it's, uh, it's, you can see it's five distinct steps or phases or stages and at the same time there's some concurrent things should be occurring if you're uh, performing the process of risk management. So the first thing you do, as you can see, there's identify, establish and agree in the context of the risk exposures and the opportunity pursuits, and all the way down then identify, analyze. A lot of people think identify is the first step, and that's a fact it's not. It's that establish and agree in the context and scope is the first step. Okay. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a, a taster. Yeah, of the all right. So the uh, standard looks like that, uh, yeah, that I've prefer uh, presenting as, it's exactly the same as that, but I just think it's laid out the way I've shown. And there's even a better way with a flow chart. I, I spent a lot of time, this takes, it says I call it's the roadmap through the course. So you go through identify, analyze, evaluate, uh, treat the risks. And before you do, just go back and analyze and, and all the time communicating, consulting, and, and then, if you do evaluate and you answer these three questions, yes, then you could record and report your results, and, but you never give up. It's an ongoing, never ending loop. Yep. Um, Love it. Uh, so just to uh, make another point in the course, uh, I'd spend a fair bit of time building on people's uh, uh, understanding that of incident investigations, uh, even though uh, this does not require a knowledge of taproot, uh, most people have done some kind of investigations. And I think I just like highlighting the similarities and differences. So an incident map is a sequence of events that leads to consequences with an actual incident. And there's immediate causal factors and there's root causes. And uh, the, I sometimes call these a macro immediate causes, sometimes a micro causes. And those of you are familiar with taproot and experienced in taproot, you'd call these a cause factor and then the root causes. And they look a bit familiar because that's what the taproot uh, root cause tree has. But a risk, uh, managing a risk involves understanding how things could happen. Uh, even 
even though the results are negative, it is proactive and it's infinitely smarter than instant investigations. Instant investigations are relatively dumb. Uh, you're waiting for things to have done and you're reacting to them. Whereas risk management is, uh, is looking at what could happen you know, in a proactive way. So again, the only thing different then is the what if incidents and the risk factors rather than causal factors, but they're still root causes of the, the same root causes. And lastly, I spent a lot of time talking about opportunity management as well. And here it's not, did it happen or could it happen? This is, we're going to make it happen. And that this is very positive and proactive. So again, it looks the same. Now it's intended prospect rather than actual incident or risk. And it's, now it's enabling factors, not causal factors. And now it's root enablers. So I think people get a lot out of, and to push, and naturally, one of the important steps is defining the risk and the best way of defining the risk is a scenario that will uh, that you're considering what events and circumstances that lead to the negative consequence that you're worried about. And so if those of you with a taproot background and you can see familiarity here to, to a snapchart, where we've got a sequence of events and here we've got uh, conditions or in in a risk map, these are the sequence of events, and they're all the circumstances and risk factors and so on. Yep. So when did, should you use risk and opportunity management assessments? Well, I believe, and I make a strong case for you should be using it at every meeting or every discussion or any process where there's decision-making going on. So every time you're discussing, describing, communicating, having conversations and assessments are required. And then that way you make the risk and opportunity communications and the results of your uh, deliberations more objective and less emotional. I love that. Yep. Yeah. So the examples, when do you use it? Well, should we do the job this way or that? Mm -hmm. Which way has the lower risks or greater opportunities? Which is the most best, most effective tool, plant equipment for this job? And so on. And mm -hmm. The as a, and there's numerous other examples. So every time any decision needs to be made, you're going to have to do at least a qualitative and preferably a semi-quantitative risk and opportunity assessment, which the course explains what they are in detail. And, and you get plenty of practice in doing it. I love that. Okay, so just to yeah, just to share with you. Working everyday solution definitions I use, the standards use a variety of definitions, and this, this is a, a consolidation of all of them. So a prospect I define as a source of possible gain, benefit, profit. A hazard on the other side is a source of possible harm, loss, and detriment. I'll spend a lot of time talking about why I say possible and not potential. Uh, opportunity then is a set of circumstances allowing pursuit of a positive but uncertain prospect. And a risk is a set of circumstances allowing exposed to a negative but uncertain hazard. So you yep. can see how we're building on that. Mm -hmm. And then we met, we show you spend a lot of time talking about when it's necessary and appropriate to measure the size of the opportunity risk. We'll see that opportunity is a com combination of likelihood and value. That's not always money. And risk is a combination of likelihood and consequence severity. Uh, 
and the combination, the asterisk, we spent a bit of time on how they're put together, as I say, qualitatively or quantitatively. And I thought I'd share with you, one of the things we spend a bit of time on is getting the difference between some of the risk management words. Uh, and these three, possible, probable, and potential, can cause a lot of problems in how we discuss risk. And uh, I spent a fair bit of time working out the difference and explaining the difference and how we can gain a lot of benefit from seeing they are different. And lastly, then, opportunity management is a process. I put it all together. I'm not going to read it all out. I put it all together, and that's my definition. So it's opportunity management is a process. Opportunity is a set of circumstances, and prospect is the source. So that's why I remember prospect is the source, opportunity is a set of circumstances, and opportunity management is a process. And similarly, risk management is also the process. Hazard is the source, uh, risk is the set of circumstances, and risk management is the process. So the most important thing about risk is managing it correctly. So risk treatment options you will see when we uh, get delve into the detail in the course will be how we manage the risk, how we treat the risk. And if at the risk inherently is uh, high likelihood and high consequence and is un intolerable, then you've got, usually you've got a risk appetite then you've got to get it down and you can do that by either decreasing the severity, the, the likelihood or decreasing both and different measures, risk treatments, risk controls can achieve that. In direct parallel to that in opportunity or enabling options, you've got to enhance the level of opportunity level, you've got to get it up. Here you've got to reduce it to as low as reasonably practical. Here you get it as high as reasonably practical. And there's a direct parallel. You might start off with an opportunity that's below your minimum prospect and you want to get it up by increasing the likelihood and increasing the value. So enablers will achieve that. Just a little warning I always make is be careful of words like risk appetite in health and safety and environment and quality even. Risk appetite becomes an unpalatable word and worries people a lot. You shouldn't have any appetite for risk as often said. So right. I always recommend term tolerance. Okay. And lastly, just to remind you then, you'll get out of attending these and not gonna go through them again. I just sort of see that there is a large number and I'm really looking forward to meeting as many people as possible and well, as many of the viewers as possible. Uh, give it serious thought uh, coming along and I'll share many years of experience. No one ever walks away from my courses uh, without having enjoyed it as well as being informed and a lot of practical users. I hope that's Great. helped Emily. Yeah, love it. So remember fortune favors the wise, not the brave. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I'm excited about the course now. I want to pop in there and learn about uh, all the things you've just talked about with uh, risk and opportunity. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah. Uh, switch our view to. Let's see. Clicking on buttons here. Um, there we go. So um, 
Is there anything else you want to uh, give us about the course or about the companies you work for um, and your consulting? Um, any any final plug? Um, any uh, things that people need to be prepared for in the course? Materials they need? I know you said it's for a beginner or up into advance, um, and you gave us a lot of great information. Uh, so I'm going to pass the floor to you one more time. Anything you you forgot to mention? Go ahead and let us have it. Good, Emily, thanks. We have one thing is every participant gets a USB stick, okay. uh, which is a copy of all the slides. Mm. And, and uh, I also give a lot of basic references that I've accumulated over the years. And uh, people who, all the hundreds of people have done the course in the past. Uh, by the way, I do update it every year. So I'll be doing it for many years, but uh, I do update it every year with new standards and new methods and uh, nearly all the participants have said that they've got a lot of value out of this but you get the copy of the slides as well and uh i think that's really all about it i think uh, oh i suppose no there's one more thing is i i do ask at the end of the course or I'll give you the people the attendees the option of i'm prepared to do a little bit of private mentoring after the course so uh, as well as doing many examples themselves during the course, I give people a chance to, when they go back uh, to their workplaces, to try the tools and methods out and uh, send back their results, email them back to me and, and I'll give them a cri critique. And uh, I think it's part of better learning. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I love templates. So my ears perked up when you said, oh, and there's templates we can use. So Good. excellent. Are you going to stick around for the summit um, after the pre-summit courses? Yes, yes. I've been going now 20 plus years. So Awesome. Yeah. It'll be good to see you. Um, we're going to be at the Knoxville Convention Center for those that are watching or listening in. And the summit week is May 2nd through 6th in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it is um, held, the event is held at the Knoxville Convention Center. It's a beautiful place. We have tons of restaurants and, and things to do around downtown. And um, that's kind of all we do here in Knoxville is eat and shop. So there'll be plenty to do if you're visiting, traveling in. So again, I want to thank you for your time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in May and to learn more about your course. And um, if people want to reach out to you, uh, you have a website. I know you're on LinkedIn. Um, or some other ways for people to, to contact you if they want to know more or want to kind of um, network or get in touch with you. Yeah. Yes, it's very simple. It's uh, Jim at workplaces with an S dot com dot au. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and let you get back to your day. A mine is coming to a close. It's about time for me to make dinner, and I'm sure you're going to have lunch in a few hours. So yeah, yeah. good. All yeah, right. It was nice speaking. Nice speaking to you. You too. Thank you. Talk soon. Good. Right. Bye bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To view the video version of this episode, visit our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. Please visit us on our website at taproot.com for up-to-date information and blog articles designed to help you excel in your performance improvement program. And please sign up for our newsletter so you'll get the notifications of when new information is released, where we're teaching around the world and all things Taproot. We will see you next time on our podcast version of Taproot TV.